Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Russ. With us today is Matthew Vincent. Matthew is a 23-year-old real estate broker in Anchorage, Alaska. His main focus is off-market commercial real estate and finding new opportunities with corporate real estate companies. I'm looking forward to diving into that. Uh, Matthew's a voracious reader, tries to read a book a week, and uh, is summiting mountains on the, uh, the rare summer Saturday evenings in Alaska. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I was doing a little bit of research for the show, Matthew, and noticed that you graduated high school from IDA. And I'm just curious, I've talked to a number of folks who've been homeschooled. I actually, full disclosure, was homeschooled myself. How do you feel that that maybe somewhat unique path in education impacted your career up to this point or your your love of learning, anything along those lines? There was never really a set schedule that I had to do every single day. A lot of it was different and a lot of it was self-directed. So if I wanted to get good grades, I had to make it happen for myself. There was my parents, which, which were big help. Mainly, I had to work on it myself. And if I had an issue, I could either go to my parents or I could go search it up. Most of the time, I like to search it up because I like to do things on my own. And that's how I've been operating since. And it really helps that my family was in the military for so long because that also, with my dad being in the Marines, it really gave you a drive to act, to keep doing stuff all the time. And if you're not doing anything, then find something to do. So baking school really helped with just that self-drive and, mo- and motivation to go find something and make it happen. And so that drive to find something, make it happen has led you to real estate. How did you end up becoming a commercial real estate broker? What was that transition like after you graduated from University of Alaska Anchorage? Yeah, so real quick, I do have to correct you. I'm not a technically a broker. I just got to say, say that out. <laughs> um, just a licensee. Okay. I came here because it started when I was going to the University of Alaska. There was a real estate program that I decided to be a part of. And there was an internship opportunity in commercial real estate with Regal North Commercial. They're a pretty good firm up here. And when I went to do the internship, it was a very self-directed internship. I worked on LOIs a little bit. I worked on showings a little bit, but just shadowing the principals in that firm and learned a lot and then saw what commercial real estate really was. Up until then, I, I just thought it's like, oh, well, you sell a big building. Cool. But there's a lot more to it. There's development, there's representation, the selling aspect, which in commercial real estate, you don't just work with your local market, you work nationally. And thinking it's like, oh, wow, I could be in Alaska and work nationally. That's that's really cool. And now it's more prevalent than ever with the work from home from COVID. But that's what really led me to the commercial side of things. I tried residential for a little bit. I really sucked at it. I think so far I've sold four or five homes in my career so far. I'm just going to stick with commercial and because that's what I've found I'm good at and specifically multifamily because that's what a lot of my mentors and teachers are invested in. That's what they taught. So what do you think about, what's the difference in your mind between single family and multifamily and what maybe makes multifamily easier for you than single family? So personally, I've never invested into single family except for maybe getting my own home. But single family to me, it, it seems like it's, you can certainly scale with it. You can certainly do it on your own, but it's not, doesn't have the cash flow like multifamily has in most cases, especially right now. If the market's down, you can probably buy a place, fix it up, sell it. If the market's up though, like it is right now, 
you can be hard pressed to find any good deals right now. You might be able to find one, but you can't guarantee it's going to deliver the returns because if lumber prices go up 200, 400% like they did, you're going to lose all the money that you were expecting to make and basically work for free for a year in single family. For multifamily, there's always the cash flow. If you buy right, you're going to have cash flow. You could increase rents if you make some modifications to the property, but it's going to be a good cash flowing property. That's just my experience in it. On the LifeBridge Capital side, that's one of the things that drives our investing thesis is we look for projects that are cash flowing. We are getting into some development, and obviously that's got a slightly different risk profile. But broadly speaking, multifamily provides that that really good cash flow relative to many other things. I mean, you think of the various places that you can invest funds and actually receive some form of a dividend. I mean, we're talking dividend stocks, maybe some bonds. You know, you're doing really well if you can get 3 or 4% on a stock and, and maybe 10% of that on a bond. Whereas commercial real estate, it's, it's very feasible to buy in-place properties that are cash flowing in between 6 and 10%, depending on your market and how much sweat equity you want to put in and, and how much work you're doing on the acquisitions. And the great thing is like commercial real estate, it doesn't have to be apartments exclusively. Like you could buy an office building, do, do a net lease. All those things are going to provide good, solid cash flow. Personally, my favorite secure asset to buy is that would be a net lease, triple net lease, like a Dutch Bros coffee company or a maybe even a Target, where the where Target leases the massive building that you own. You have to have a lot of capital for that. But that provides solid returns for quite a long time. When you talk about finding new opportunities with corporate real estate companies, unpack that statement a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah, so mostly corporate real estate companies, they usually go after the big things. Those are never going to be on hit the market, almost never going to hit the market, especially right now. If you try and go on the local MLS and look for a place like, say, 400 units, you're going to be hard pressed to find something unless you're in a very large capital market and it's a, at a very high price. Corporate. Now, when I say corporate real estate, I mean like institutional investors and institutions that go after things like Graystar, Blackstone's one of them, and a couple other of the giants that you think, oh, they probably, I wonder how they do that business. And how they do that business is they use brokers like myself, like people at Berkadia, probably people at CBRE, but brokers that are specifically focused on one asset class, like either hotels or multifamily, I happen to be in multifamily and just going after and researching and finding those owners might take a little bit. But once you find the owner, there'll be institutions probably going to be pretty quick to put in an offer, even if they have minimal underwriting data. Like sometimes they don't even need to see the operating statement to find a good value of it because they have the resources to underwrite something without even looking at the place, which I find is really interesting. That's something I'm trying to learn. That's what I mean by finding new opportunities, just looking for places like, is this is the whole period for this specific property coming up? And can I get a buyer for that right now? Because once it's up, it's going to sell. Either I'm going to sell it or someone else is going to sell it. Yeah, it's definitely a seller's market right now. There's there's yeah. so much capital floating around in the space. I was reviewing a, a capital report from Newmark. And the amount of dry powder that's sitting on the sideline for commercial real estate as a whole. Obviously, we talk here at the Real Estate Syndication Show a lot about apartments, but it's not just apartments. It's commercial. It's hospitality. It's uh, light industrial and retail. Um, really, every asset class is is under pressure right now. And so if you can land those off-market opportunities, that's the holy grail. As you've been trying to find those opportunities, what are some methods that you've used that have yielded fruit? Just calling the managers. That's a big part. Like Call the front desk of property. Say, hey, say who you are and what you're looking for. And they're probably going to direct you to the right person you need to talk to. And they might transfer you to somebody at the corporate level or they're going to pass you to the owner directly if it's a small operation. That's one of the best ways to go after and see. It's like, hey, I got a 
buyer for this place. And that's what I say, because even if I don't have a buyer specifically for that one yet, I know that one of my buyers would be interested. So I just go around and just providing some value like that. And then front desk just transfers me over. Most of the time it happens. Sometimes I have had the gatekeeper that will never work with me, which has found to be very annoying. But there is always a way to get around that. If, if you just play at their level for a little bit and keep calling, they might just give you an email and you might have to go through them, but it's going to work out. You know, I think something that's important as you're searching down leads is obviously figuring out ways to add value to the people that you're pitching. And, and that can be difficult to do, especially in today's environment where they're probably getting pitched by a number of people. But what are some things that you do to add value on that side of the equation? So not necessarily your customers, but the people that you're trying to, to uncover a deal with. Recently, I've been offering brokers opinion and value. Just giving them, it's like, hey, I'm a broker or I'm a licensee. I understand the market. I've done these, this, this, and this, these deals. It's seller's market right now. I'm curious if you know what the value of the property is. If they're a corporate company, they probably already do have an estimated value, but they're going to be curious what the market value might be because their analysts can look over it all day long. But it, that analyst view could be very different from what the market views it as. And as licensees, as brokers, we have the market data and that market knowledge to know what the market would be willing to pay for it. And that's some value that we can easily offer. We can even charge a fee for it. So you could probably double dip as well. I'm curious, personally, what database you guys use. I know there's Yardi Matrix, there's CoStar, there's several other national platforms that kind of aggregate data. What's your preferred database to plumb for information? Great question. Since I'm such in a small market, I just network and talk with people to see what things are selling at. I have access to CoStar, but most of what I've been going after and what I've been learning has been just from talking to people, having coffee with individuals who are at the higher levels. And just seeing what they're buying at, what they're selling at, that's what's given me the information. Like in Alaska right now, if you were to buy in the Northeast Anchorage or Northwest Anchorage, you're probably going to get like a seven cap, seven and a quarter cap. If you buy in South Anchorage, probably going to be closer to a seven cap, variance of about 25 basis points. Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. That was uh, one thing I was curious about because cap rates, obviously here in the lower 48, highly variable depending on your market, but substantially lower than what you just quoted. Very interesting. As you go out, how do you put buyer and seller together? What are some, some things that you have done that have led to successful transactions? A lot of the times... How I started getting buyers for this type of stuff, I just look on the website. Most companies are going to have a website, even if they only have a few properties, and they're going to have a contact page. I say, hey, I'm a licensee in the Anchorage area. I have deals flow by my desk every couple of days. If you're interested in seeing these deals, here's my contact. Please reach out. And the acquisitions guy's probably going to reach out to you because they're always going to be look. They're never going to not look for a deal. Even if they're not looking to buy right now, people still like looking at deals like, oh, wow, that's a cool deal. I wonder what it'll sell for. So most of the time, 90% of the time, they're going to reach back out and 
just introduce themselves. And that's how I get the buyer's contact information. And then sellers, like I was saying, just call the property and say, hey, you got a buyer for the property and see where it goes. You mentioned in your bio, and we mentioned at the top of the show, that you enjoy reading quite a bit. I love that. I think that that's really important, especially as one's getting started in their professional career. I try to maintain that book a week pace. Some weeks I might get two or three, some weeks I don't get any. But uh, what got you started on that? And maybe share a, a favorite or two that you've read recently. I started on it back in 2018. So I've read quite a few books. A lot of the books that I read are certainly rereads because I want to get that information again. But my favorite book, I haven't read it recently, but I plan on starting it again this week, this upcoming week at least, Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. It's a fantastic, it goes over the rational and irrational thoughts that cross people's mind on how they make decisions. I think that's book, that book has really helped me just understand people. Because say if a seller says, oh, well, you know, we just refinance, um, there's going to be a prepayment penalty, probably not going to sell right now. And you guys hang up and now you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go after this in a little bit and see what happens. It was an irrational statement that, that they're probably not going to sell soon. It's just a hurdle that you've got to go over now. And that's what the book talks about is all the hurdles that you got to go over when what you think is rational is just irrational. I'm curious if you could share with us maybe a, a hurdle that you have overcome in your personal or professional life up to this point? Being patient is important, but it can really hurt you if you're waiting for a property to come up. Also overanalyzing. Those two things go hand in hand. A little bit ago, a couple weeks ago, I was waiting on a property to sell to one of my clients because it was too big for me to go after. And frankly, I didn't want to just because of the layout of the property. So I was going to present to one of my clients, but the other broker that was working the deal, we were just being patient. Me and a couple other agents were being patient waiting for some information on that property so that we could formulate a good offer. One of the brokers that was waiting decided to just talk to his client and submit an offer anyway without seeing any of the financial information. And while we were trying to be patient, wait a little bit and so that we can analyze the thing, it went on a contract with someone else at a good deal. So learn how to be patient, but also learn when not to be patient. And then also don't overanalyze because if you have a good gut feeling, then it's going to most likely be a good deal. So submit the offer and see what happens. Because a lot of the times, even the off-market stuff, they're probably going to be uninclined to send you information until they have an offer. Uh, that's, that's very true. There's always a, a balance between striking right away and waiting for information so you don't retrade. I always tell people who are breaking in, try your best not to retrade and yet move quickly. And sometimes those things are mutually exclusive to a certain degree. And it just be very clear. If you're commu- if you're moving quickly, just say, hey, we want to get this offer in front of you. I stand behind it with the information I know. And we've had success doing that on a couple of bidding wars. An off-market deal, but really it's just a lightly marketed deal. And so there's you know five or six groups that are looking at it. And we'll tell them, hey, here's the, the factors that we're allocating capital resources for. We expect these things to come back suboptimal and, and we're not going to be surprised by that. But then that way they're prepared and they can balance our offer against others who maybe aren't lending that same air of transparency. Yeah, exactly. That's something else now. It's like you say earlier to seller's market, it is because every seller is being approached. Every owner is being approached. You're not the only one looking at the property. So the faster you are, the more likely you are to get the property in the in market like we are right in right now. That's very true. What's uh what's something that you're excited about right now in your business specifically? I'm really excited about getting some more places on a contract. Spoken like a true broker licensee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but more importantly for myself, to syndicate myself, because personally I haven't bought like my family, we own eight units up here in Alaska right now. And I just tell you, you know what? I'm seeing all these people 
do bigger deals. I'm helping my clients do bigger deals. So let's go after 20 plus units. Let's see what happens. So hopefully soon I'll be going under contract with two or three properties just like that in the next couple of weeks. That's really that's the really exciting part for me is doing bigger deals and specifically for myself. Because one, mm-hmm. I'm going to get paid for it on the transaction side. And now I'm also going to have some cash flow. My investors are going to have cash flow. As the economy starts changing because of all the printing that happened, the value's most likely going to go up. So even if you're overpaying now, this isn't financial advice, but there's a strong chance you're still getting a good deal. Yeah, it is interesting. You look over the last 10 years since the, the great financial recession in 2008, 2009, if anybody bought a piece of real estate and call it 2010 to 2012, and they held it for five years, they probably did fantastic. Execution yeah. was was nowhere near as important. For the last three or four years, I've been telling people, I really think that the next 10 years are going to be different, that it, it is going to be more about execution than it is just actually being in the market. If we continue to see inflation pick up the way it is, you make a good point that um, while none of us wants to overpay, and, and I think we, we have to be very careful to not divorce our purchases from fundamental economic realities. This is all occurring in a macroeconomic landscape that is changing. The the rules are different than they've ever been in some ways. Adapting to that is going to be crucial and recognizing that a lot of people are flying to real estate as an asset class, specifically as that hedge. That is going to change how real estate is valued. It has the potential to further compress cap rates and definitely is is contributing to the wave of buyers that we're seeing across the country and and even in Alaska, it sounds like. Uh, Something I want to add to that real quick. When I say overpay, I am in a small market. It's higher cap rates, meaning that price per square foot is probably going to be like 100 bucks, 120 bucks. When you overpay at 120 bucks per square foot, you're still buying below replacement value. So even though though I'm overpaying in my market, I feel like I'm still going to come out on top over time. Yeah, I think controlling for that risk-adjusted rate of return is always something. And a lot of times those risk factors, particularly in smaller markets on smaller properties, can be harder to quantify. And it really comes down to the appetite of you and your investors for that level of risk. But you have an advantage there being in Alaska, being a local, already having your foot in the door as both a broker and a property owner. And yeah, I would imagine a lot of your investors are locals as well and want to contribute to the local economy. And and there's other benefits beyond what you could quantify on paper for your network. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time, Matthew. Where can folks, if they want to reach out to you, learn more about you, or if they're interested in learning more about Alaskan real estate, how can they get in touch with you? So everyone should pull out their phone right now and go to Instagram. Search up Matthew Vincent. It is M-A-T-T-H-E-W-V-I-N-C-E-N-T with another T at the end of Vincent. So it's two T's and two T's. I'm on Instagram. I'm always active. If you send me a message, I'll probably reply within a couple hours. That's the best way to reach me right now. Fantastic. Well, thanks to our audience for joining us on another episode of the Real Estate Syndication Show. I'm your host, Sam Rust, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.